Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now your ears do not deceive you you have just entered the cryptid creator corner brought to you by your friends at comic book yeti so without further ado let's get on to the interview Hello and welcome to Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jimmy Gasparro, uh, the other host, Byron O'Neill. We trade off and interviewing uh, some of our favorite creators, writers, artists, colorists, letterers. And I have a great episode today. I am very, very excited to talk to a writer and co-creator of some amazing comic book series, including uh, Friendo with uh, Vault Comics and Giga. There's also Red Fork uh, with TKO, uh, Arcadia with Boom Studios, and quite a bit of work in both the Marvel and DC universes. And now we're going to talk about uh, his new uh, image, creator-owned series, uh, along with artist Casper uh, uh, Wingard. It is Alex uh, Pacnadel. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm great, thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. No, I, I, I am. A, I'm a big fan. Uh, I say that a lot on this podcast, and that's mainly because I like to talk to folks whose work that I've read and that I've been excited by or challenged by. Um, I think the first work of yours that I ever read was Friendo, and um, I read it once. I really liked it. Um, I read it a second time, and I understood it, I think, a little bit better. Uh, but it, it's, I think it's a bit of a challenging work um, with artist um, Martin Simmons, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, and whatever happened to him? Uh, yeah, I think he might have hooked up with uh, some other writer, and they, they got a little book out. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little but, one, a uh, little one. A <laughs> little one. Uh, yeah, um, uh, he's been on uh, Department of Truth. Um, but yeah, I really, really, really like Frendo. Um, and then I, I think the second thing of yours that I ever read was Arcadia, and I loved Arcadia. I just just one of my favorites i recommend it to anybody who even you know uh mentions looking for something new to read it's one of the first things i go to to suggest that folks read because i was a huge huge fan of it um but in in any event uh that's uh, me yeah just me saying that i'm a, a big fan i've been really looking forward to talking to you and especially everything i've seen about all against all looks great it's as i mentioned casper uh wingard you've somehow stolen him away from dan waters because they did limbo and homesick pilots together um and i believe uh you have hassan uh, is doing the lettering as well right yeah, uh, yeah, uh, we managed to bag him. I mean, he did um, some. I, I did a short with Ian McEwen uh, last year called Roof Stompers, uh, and Hass hand lettered it, um, which was laborious and hideously time consuming. But <laughs> I figured if if he was prepared to do that, then like I could bully him even more on this book. So okay, yeah, that's kind of how it shook out. So I want to talk about kind of how you got into 
writing comics. Um, but first, mm. I just just so our, our listeners get a sense of it, um, can, what can you tell us about uh, All Against All? I know the by the time this episode, we're recording this the day before Halloween, but by the time it goes out, it's going to be right before the final order cutoff. And then uh, the book will be, I think, in your local comic shop December 7th. But yes. what what's kind of a log line or elevator pitch, or what can you tell us about All Against All? Oh, thank you. Uh, the log line is that the pre-order cutoff is November 14th. Uh, <laughs> that's the log line. That's all you need to know. Uh, all right. Please get your please please phone your comic your, your local you please please phone your uh, LCS uh, and and uh, put a healthy order in because uh, otherwise I'll lose my shit. Uh, no, seriously. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It, uh, okay. So um, the the elevator pitch uh, that I'm giving everyone is um, basically imagine if the xenomorph from Alien was Tarzan. Um, so it's basically a species flipped alien where, um, the thing that comes and grabs you from the shadows, the thing that comes and sort of, you know, swoops out of a tree or out of a sort of air duct and rips you apart is a human being. And the group that you are actually identifying with the protagonists that you are following are aliens. Um, and the thing that they're absolutely terrified, the monster sort of, you know, stabbing out of the darkness is a human being. Um, so, I mean, that was the sort of premise that I sort of took it from, um, or, or the premise, sorry, that I proceeded from. Um, it, to put a bit more flesh on the bone, um, the sort of the wider idea or the deeper, more textured idea is that this is set in a, in a far future where um, planet Earth has... Uh, is long destroyed um you know it it's uh it's just polluted and you know beyond repair but this um space-faring alien civilization they find um a seed an embryo vault in what is now norway uh what is currently norway uh this is a thing that exists by the way um and they they without knowing how anything fits together they basically harvest all of these seeds all of these embryos and in a in an orbiting in an orbiting habitat in a sort of silent running type ship with all these mm -hmm. sort of geodesic domes that contain various kind of earth-like habitats they just set the whole thing running without knowing how it all fits together um so you know you've got polar bears and gorillas sort of sharing the same space um in ways that they absolutely shouldn't so it's 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 a, it's a, an incredibly hostile incredibly toxic environment they don't understand anything. And what they don't realize is that the one human specimen that they have um, is, uh, can, can think. Um, and, you know, they think that they're just dealing with this kind of savage, uh, this completely, this utterly sort of savage environment. And, and they, they don't know that they have something in there that can basically stalk them in a sort of persistence predator kind of way. Um, and, we join our story when basically this alien civilization finds itself at war. Um, and you, you know, you don't see the war, you know, you only see the effects of the war and they realize that they're going to have to go into this habitat basically to harvest it for biological weapons. Um, and unbeknownst to them, there is this human being that's kind of running around and yeah, they have no idea what they're in for. Um, it yeah, I I didn't know. I really didn't look at anything. You had, you were kind enough to send me the the, yeah. the a review issue, 
review copy. And I didn't really look at anything other than, you know, seeing some things on Twitter about all against all. And I um, purposely kind of went in a little bit blind, not knowing too much about it. Um, and I, I'm not going to give anything away, but just to say, I loved it. Um, I just, uh, Thanks, Casper, I mean, first off, Casper Wingard, in terms of his artistry, I just feel like he, he has such a unique kind of style. I loved how everything looked. I loved how everything kind of like developed and fit together. I love, I love, 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 like the, the colors in the book. Um, it's, 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 it's gorgeous. Um, and, but, but parts of it are very, you know, it's like a disturbing. There's like a, there's a beautiful grotesqueness, if that is a description of a thing. Um, I really, really liked it. I really like the, the perspective of it. Um, I really like how it kind of like flowed and the bits and pieces we were getting because yeah, you're, you're the, the way it's set up. And you're seeing it from a viewpoint we don't really, see, you know, usually in a in, in any story involving a human, the story is always kind of centered on the human to see another perspective is kind of unique. Um, and, and so I really, really liked it. I really just thought that um, it, it felt like it was something different, but had some maybe familiar elements. And I can't wait to see kind of where it goes from from. Uh, this point i thought it was a really strong you know first issue kind of told you what it wasn't what, what it was about wasn't too exposition heavy i'm amazed that the type of like atmosphere that was generated because when you're dealing with you know uh, characters that aren't human it can be tough to figure out well how do how does this thing express emotion how do i mm. set the scene and i thought that was another thing that you know it's very atmospheric at times which i i really like so yeah i'm telling everyone get on board definitely uh as soon as you're done listening to this pre-order it because i felt like it was a very kind of um special series in terms of it was a very strong number 1 and i like first issues are really hard because you got to set the story up you don't want it to be too exposition heavy you want some you know action in there or something to like get folks excited and um, yeah, I, I thought it, it's a tough needle to thread, I think. And um, I thought I thought the whole creative team and, you know, Hassan is a phenomenal letterer. And uh, I just thought Thanks, I mean, I it mean, was very well done. One thing I will say, I, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. I mean, and, and, and it's, it's lucky that I didn't draw it or letter it because I can agree with you on all of those points at the very least. Um, I, I, I mean, one of the things that Hassan has done um, is and th th there's a lot of this kind of going around at the moment, and, I, and I'm really kind of happy to see it. Um, I, I, I don't want to call it. I, I'm, I'm coining it. I'm coining a term here, and I really shouldn't. It's not mine to coin, but I guess native lettering. Um, but there, there are moves afoot. It seems to me from people like Aditya Bidikar, Hassan, obviously, um, but. There's there's a there's a group of letterers coming up who are very diligently making the lettering part of the art, making it part of the composition. So one of the things that that you'll that, that readers will notice is that you know for anyone who has read Homesick Pilots, and you absolutely should, um, it's it's a it's a wonderful book. But 
uh, Casper isn't using the same clean lines that he used in Homesick Pilots on our book. He's gone with a much more, um, I want to say, kind of charcoal-y kind of texture. But one of the things that Hassan did when when we sent him the finished art was he basically he designed um, a bunch of balloons and a bunch of uh, and a bunch of caption boxes that would have that same sort of charcoaly kind of feathered texture. So it absolutely and 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 you know you'll have sort of balloons that are tailing behind certain characters to tail to other characters. So it's very mm-hmm. much. It, you know, it's 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 it, it's it's very much kind of in the mix. It's very much kind of part of the composition, and it guides the eye, I think, really smoothly, rather than sort of floating on top in the way it sometimes can. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I only wrote the thing, but like the 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 artists that I'm working with, uh, yeah. have I think sort of taken it to another level, and I, I could say that very confidently because I had nothing to do with it. So, <laughs> yeah, I, and. It's also got to it's got to be tough in terms of like the design elements, right? I mean, you Mm. feel like you always have some type of influence, and you know how how long how if you're any type of student, even a casual student of any type of like science fiction and all the things that we've been we've seen and inundated, and whether or not they're overt influences or somehow get into our subconscious. Like I, I, I think every time I see an alien design or, or a, a spaceship design, I'm like, Oh, that's a little bit of this or a little bit of that. I think it's really tough to kind of have like something, you know, very unique. So I, I don't know the particular like influences in terms of uh, the, the, the alien species in this, but I, I, I really thought it was a kind of, it took me a second or two to kind of figure out exactly like what was going on. In terms of, was I looking at something like in a in a suit? Am I looking at something that's somehow like biomechanical? And like once I kind of figured it out and realized what was happening, I mean, it's just a very fun design. It's it's very interesting, and it it really kind of has a lot of interesting elements in terms of where the story goes uh, throughout the comic. I mean, it, it, I, w- I won't give anything away on that level, but yeah, there is there is a nice surprise, I think, in terms of what our aliens kind of actually are. But mm-hmm. it's uh, funnily enough. I mean, we'll, we'll, I think we'll, if if image are okay with it, you know, we'll we'll put um, we'll put some process stuff in the trade. But there were a lot of discussions initially about um, how to depict the aliens, right? Because you've got some immediate challenges, um, notably empathy, right? Um, you know, uh, I mean, I'm assuming that a, a lot of your listeners, a lot of your viewers are familiar with, you know, Scott McCloud's understanding comics. And, right. you know, there's a set there's a section in there where he's talking about imprinting and, you know, the fact that it's it's actually quite difficult to it's quite difficult to generate empathy for uh, like the further away you get from uh, human physiognomy, the further away you get. The, the harder it is to empathize right so it's quite it, it's 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 quite easy to empathize with a gorilla it's quite easy to empathize with a chimpanzee because they're pretty close it's quite easy to empathize with a dog because they have kind of human-like expressions but the further you get away from that sort of um higher mammalian um uh, i guess sort of biology the harder and harder it is like you know you can't you can't empathize with a xenomorph right but 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 what it gives you is um, true alienness, 
So, I mean, like the thing, I think, is a classic example, right? You never see the thing. You only see what it's trying to mimic and the various kind of combinations, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's genius. Like, that's absolutely inspired because what that gives you when you don't have to empathize with it because it's the external threat is um, it gives you it, it gives you the, the uncanniness, the... Uh, that kind of visceral fear of being confronted with something that is truly other, right? And the early discussions we were having, we were trying to really sort of thread that needle. Because, um, I, I mean, initially, I, I mean, going into it, I said, no, 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 like, I, I really want to see something properly kind of alien here um, because, you know, that's that's very important. And then I started getting these preliminary designs and we had some sort of discussions about it and I said, oh, I'm kind of worried here because, you know, these these aliens are our protagonists, right? we got to be with them. But what I didn't want, and by the way, this is no criticism of Avatar or anything like that, but I, I didn't want that kind of Na'vi thing of they're basically blue people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for yeah. all intents and purposes, they're like they're big blue people. Um, amazing movie, not criticizing it in the slightest, but they're not particularly alien, right? um and but like by design they got like these big kind of like anime eyes and stuff it's it's very it's 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 precision engineered to generate empathy um and like i i said like I, I i don't want that i want them to feel because the point is they have to find when they when they discover our human antagonist they have to find him completely alien so they have to be very they have to be quite different from him in order for that to happen right so we ended up having these huge discussions and there was a lot of back and forth over like, I guess they've got to have a mouth because otherwise, you know, <laughs> like I, I guess they've got to have eyes because, you know, otherwise what do you, you know, where's the connection going to be? And there was a lot of back and forth and there was a lot of kind of fine tuning. And I remember at one point, um, I, you know, I was really worried about it and I, I spoke to, cause you know, I'm in a writer's studio with um, like Ram V, Ryan O'Sullivan and Dan Waters. And so like we, 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 we talk every day. And um, I was talking to Dan about it, and I just said, "Oh man, you know, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm worried that you know I've I've basically briefed Casper badly that I'm giving him an impossible task." And he just laughed because obviously, you know, he's worked with Casper now. I mean, for you know, discontinuously, but probably for about four years straight. And he just said to me, he "said uh, He just laughed and he said, "It's Casper. He'll figure it out." And he has. This <laughs> <laughs> is that good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Is that good? You yeah. just wind up, you know, it, like anything right. you set for him, yeah, he'll just do it because he's yeah. just that good, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I was, a, I'm a big fan of uh, Homesick Pilots and um, such a good book, know, ev- man. Everything that was done in that kind of story, um, it, it, there's, there's so much. I mean, you're dealing in Homesick Pilots, you're dealing with you know human characters, but there's a, a ghost element and like the, the haunted mm. house aspect of it, and there's so many just interesting design elements. Um, which yeah phenomenal work done on that and um yeah there were some a lot of interesting things in homesick pilot so he uh uh he he understood he understood the assignment though as the kids said yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) very much so um you know so i i i ask this a lot of creators just because i'm always kind of interested in um you know kind of like a, a progression but um, you know, when you first started writing comics and, uh, do, do you look, do you look back at your work? Do you kind of see like a through line in terms of 
what it is you're trying to accomplish. I mean, in your own work, I know if you get in a, you know, if you're doing something for like Marvel or DC or with some type of existing intellectual property, it's, it's different. But in terms of your, your own work and things that you've worked on and, and written, do you kind of see like a, a natural progression at all to, to, to get to here in terms of what you want to work on thematically or like a connection in your work? Or is it just, um, this is what I thought of right now and I want to tell a story about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't interrogate it that deeply uh, mm-hmm. because I think um, it'll it'll all come out in the wash, right? Um, I mean, I, I, I did a whole I did a whole ass PhD on um, uh, the novelist JG Ballard, who, and and I, I you know I say this as you know someone who worships the guy, who wrote the same novel over and over again it's always the same novel but he's basically holding he's holding the same crystal up to the light and just looking at a different facet i think is the way is so there are various kind of repeating metaphors that he'll keep coming back to like empty swimming pools um you know um just just depictions of kind of entropy um so i'm not worried i'm i, I figure kind of I, I'm not, you know, there's no kind of arrogance in this. I don't think that anyone's ever going to kind of look at my body of work and 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 sort of trace those through lines. Um, but I don't think it's for me to worry about. I think uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a, I, I've come to be a big believer that trying to start like writing, and this is something actually that that you know the, the writers group really helped me with. Because I mean, if, if there has been any progression, I would say it's this, right? Which is that. When I first started out, I wrote theme out. So I would say, okay, well, here's what I'm trying to say. So let's reverse engineer that and let's kind of, you know, let's put that kind of into a story, which is great if you're writing in a very kind of plotty way. Like I look back on Arcadia, which I still have a lot of time for. And it's just this kind of, um, I was I was really trying to do backflips, right? Like I was just trying to kind of like, right, man, like I'm going to do my best Grant Morrison, like three three good ideas <laughs> per page, right? I'm just going to throw them at people. And right. which is great. Like it gives you, I think that there's a sort of, um, there's an effervescence to work like that. Um, but eventually you got to give people someone to care about, right? Um, and don't get me wrong. Like I think I think I did that in Arcadia, but I don't think, I think if if I, if I had it to do over again, there are some I would make some different choices. Um, and so one of the most useful things I think in the past few years, which has been at sort of Ram's prompting and at Dan's prompting, really, is is kind of instead of writing plot out, write character out. So instead of proceeding from the premise in a world, um, <laughs> proceed for you know, pr- proceed from here as a character who makes a choice. Right. Yeah. And okay. then, and then, like you, you, you're off to the races. I think in a much more powerful and much more kinetic way. Um, are you still able to to kind of do that same approach though? In to kind of switch gears to um, like DC or Marvel, or when you're dealing with the existing IP, are you still able to to have that same approach in terms of is it is it easier? Is it more difficult to do character first when you're working on a character that might have a lot of backstory or history or that you haven't created 
I mean, I would say it's a lot easier because, um, okay. in fact, like I, I was having this very conversation with Ram yesterday. Um, you know, I, I, which is not to say it's easy, but I think it's easier in the sense that um, everyone who reads a Batman comic is immediately well disposed towards Batman. You don't need to lay any groundwork in terms of empathy. Like they are with Batman. You can just have him swinging over a rooftop and they are with him straight away on something like All Against All or something like, you know, something like Arcadia or something like Homesick Pilots. You have to do the work in terms of making people invest in those characters. You can't just, you know, I mean, like I'm, I'm writing a Red Goblin book at the moment. I mean, I can't say too much about it, but I'm writing an ongoing Red, Red Goblin book for Marvel. And so much of the work has been done for me, right, by, by, by other writers. So much of the work mm -hmm. in terms of, okay, well, I already know why. I already know why people care about Spider-Man. That's fine. That's, that's assumed. I can kind of, I can, I can, you know, I already know why people like Venom. So, you know, you can, you can, you, you can kind of lean into that. So, and sometimes with something like DC versus vampires, uh, that you can do really interesting things with that because you can sort of play with that empathy. Right. So like, you know, here are some characters that you know and love and that you are predisposed towards liking and, you know, I can kill them in really inventive and awful ways. Um, right. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's, yeah. So, yeah. like, yeah. I mean, I mean, overall, I would say it's not easy, and, and it comes with its own attendant pressures, right? Like, I mean, I, you know, th there are, I mean, I'm a fairly, like, I, I, I you know, I do, I do sort of, I try to be, um, intellectually like omnivorous right like i read a lot of books you know i try to go i try to go to as many art galleries as it's safe to to, to visit and stuff i try to you know i'm a big music fan I, I like i try to i try to vary my diet right but like a core like i'm i'm a fanboy i'm i'm a fanboy and so um there is you know the back you know there, there is always a voice at the back of your head i think when you're taking on any kind of big two characters which is you know unless you're coming to them completely cold you know there's that thing of uh doing right by the character doing right by your own love of the character right um and i mean i hate to say it but if that sort of If you if if the person you were when you started reading comics isn't happy with what you've done, there's a problem. If that makes sense, so you know I yeah, started reading. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like so. If, yeah. if, if my that's an interesting if, way to put it. But yeah, I, if my I get if my, it. If, my if my if my if my inner eleven year old like is not satisfied with what I've done, then like I've let them down, and that's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I yeah. do. Like, you want to write, I want to write, you know, like thinking like, oh, I want to write something that, you know, 43-year-old me is proud of and it says something about right now or what whatever characters I've created. But there's still a part of me that hopes that if 13-year-old me who loved X-Files and Star Trek The Next Generation, I want them yeah. to get a kick out of it too, right? Yeah, like, like, uh, yeah, like, I, I want, I want, like, the guy who, like, absolutely lost it, like, when X Men One came out, like, I want that guy to be proud of me, right? You know, yeah, and 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 mm -hmm. to dig the work, 
Yeah. No, I yeah. get it. I definitely get it. Um, so I wanted to ask, um, cause I kind of, I, I said I was going to start doing, start with this and I, I, um, I, I got to get back to it, but how did, you know, you, you do, you have a PhD in literature and you just mentioned like <laughs> the works of Ballard. Um, and is it your, your mother's a writer? Yeah. Yeah. She's a crime novelist. Yeah. Crime novelist. Right. A very prolific crime novelist. <laughs> Yeah, like 39 novels now, I think, or something <laughs> stupid. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, so, I mean, was this almost, uh, like, destined in terms of you being a writer? But why comics, if it if it was? And maybe it wasn't. Maybe you had a totally different track. Uh, and then you, you, you ended up, uh, uh, you ended up writing. But I'm kind of curious as to, like, why, why writing? Was it in the blood? And or why comics? Well, no, I mean, my mom, my mom didn't start writing until I'd left for college. Oh, wow. Uh, so, wow. Yeah, it was a long time, long time. Yeah. Like, so, um, I mean, she always wrote, right. And, and I, yeah. I, I grew up in a household with like a ton of books, like, like, you know, floor to ceiling, dusty, you know, pizza boxes on top of them. But yeah, like it was, <laughs> it was, it was pretty, it was pretty, it's pretty Adam's family, but like, um, I, I grew up in a household where we are like it, it was encouraged. Um, but in terms of the comics track, that was kind of all my dad, right? Um, really. Um, my dad, um, he was a big comic collector from sort of 1970 to about 1980. So uh, he straddled pretty much like when the. I'm going to get into a lot of trouble for saying this, but like when the silver age started getting kind of freaky and interesting, like, you know, mm -hmm. Claremont Gerber, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. Right. You know, Len, Len, Len wine, you know, that, that kind of material. Um, he, um, and he taught me to read with comics. So like I would be sat on his knee, you know, age three and he would have like a Howard the Duck treasury edition and I would be learning to read from the kind of balloons. So I kind of imprinted on comics like from almost birth. Um, and so, and, and, you know, kind of grew up with them and everything. And, you know, it went through stages. I mean, I think, I think the dude knew what he was doing. So like he would get, he gave me these, um, pocketbooks, um, and I, I like I, I speak to a lot of people and like so, some pe people of a certain age, like are very familiar with them. But there were these kind of pocketbook, like airport paperback size things that contained the first six issues of like FF, Spider-Man, Hulk. OK, um, right. You know, Journey to Mystery, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, th so that was my kind of gateway. So like when I started reading for myself, I would start with the Lee Kirby stuff and the Lee Ditko stuff. And then. He started giving me like the Marvel UK black and white reprints of like all the sort of, you know, late 60s sort of Spider-Man. And then uh, I remember like when I like I, I got into like I had to go into hospital when I was about 11. I had to have an operation and it was it was quite serious. And I, I had never been allowed into like my dad. My dad had this comic cupboard. Uh, like he had this closet under the stairs that was like locked and I was never allowed in. And that was where he kept all the American comics, right? Because he had the British, the British reprints that were kind of like cheap and, you know, black and white kind of, kind of crappy, but okay. like the, the good, the good stuff, right? So like the Clam, <laughs> the Clam, the, the Claremont Burn X-Men's, the, the like the Buscema, oh, Barry wow. Windsor Smith kind of Conans and stuff. And so I was in hospital and he just brought me like a stack of 
like a stack of X-Men, like from X-Men 1, like right on through, like pretty much all of the Burn issues, all of the Cockrum issues. Um, and I came out of hospital and I was like, man, like X-Men are amazing. This is the best, <laughs> right? And then like, honestly, like through pure serendipity, um, that was like a few months before X-Men 1 came out. So like I remember started getting interested and started going into like the local, like uh, the comic shop in town and they were going, all right, you know, there's like a new X-Men 1 coming out. And like that was back in the days when like a new number one for anything was rare, right? It was like you would get like 500 issues or something. You know, they weren't kind of, they, they wouldn't sort of, it, it wasn't treated like seasons, right? Right, um, yeah. I mean, it's much, so, like, much yeah, different. Like, much different direct yeah. market today. So, like, I, I I queued up outside, like, Forbidden Planet London to get my X-Men number one, you know? Like, I, I think I got two covers, and, like, I just remember kind of holding it like the Holy Grail, you know what I mean? Just, like, just <laughs> daring. Not, I just didn't even want to crease it. I just thought it was... And, it, and like, and like the costumes were just so um, incredible, and, like, they were so, like, you know, it was like, oh, my God, like, it's for me. They made one for me. They made one for my dad, and now they made one for me. What is going on? This is insane. Um, and yeah, man, like, I mean, I've, I've dipped in and out. Like there, there are, I, I, I would say I've, my, my palette has broadened. I've never, I've never drifted away from what I, what I still love about superhero comics, you know, but you know, my palette's broadened, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, like I, I, I do kind of, I do, I, 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 you know, I, I, I do okay um in, in terms of in terms of the bookshelves and everything but right. um uh a core yeah like i never really sort of went away like i just i love comics i just love comics yeah that's that, i mean that's awesome that's amazing to have that you know long history and then um to be in a position where you're now you know writing for for both uh, you know for both at different times for both of the big two and on some like really interesting type of books i mean it's not i mean you've done um i mean you did what you have a, a dark hold spider-man you uh had a story in the uh the immortal hulk um yeah love uh, yeah the like, I'm so time of monsters that. um and then i think didn't you didn't you fairly recently to have like a dark crisis swamp thing story Oh, there it is yeah i mean just um, some like some fascinating characters that you've kind of been able to you know take on and 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 write and that's so neat to think that that's you know, started off and have such a love of the those types of characters especially with uh well, you know it's interesting it's awesome. in the sense that like that they, they've like both both companies have kind of given me like the dark hold Spider-Man thing was like, I mean, again, and it's great. Like I could talk to my dad about this stuff because, you know, like, it's nice. It's like, we have this sort of generational thing going on where like, he gets to kind of have a copy like written by like his kid. Right. Which is right. It's crazy. Like he was a schoolboy, kind of picking up Marvel comics. And then like, you know, what 40, 50 years later here, kind of here we are. Um, yeah. But all the stuff that I'm kind of doing is really kind of dark. and. I think like the lightest <laughs> thing I've done is like an like an like an Avengers one shot that was a tie into like Death of Doctor Strange, um, okay. which was like a lot of fun. But but in the main, um, like they tend to 
they tend to sort of assign me kind of kind of really uh like uh unpleasant uh things to do so so like right. that, that immortal hulk one shot was like i think like yeah it, it it culminated in uh hulk cannibalism the spider-man one uh i mean i won't give the ending away but like i mean it, it's gross <laughs> i think it was yeah like it, it was like a sort of nightmare scenario where all of lower manhattan has to he has to he has to spend all day holding lower manhattan together with his webs otherwise it just falls apart and yeah. that was yeah so yeah it's it's yeah that they, they give me interesting things to do long may it continue yeah right exactly um i, I mean other than maybe the x-men just because you've talked about them like do you keep like a like oh are you the type of writer that is like oh if i ever got the chance to do do you still have some characters that you i mean you don't have to say what specific ones but if you don't want but do you have some characters that you're like i i still have some goals that i want to write for this character i want to write for that yeah sure man i mean i i, I don't care um uh <laughs> i got a i got a i got a wonder man mini in me that would um that would be incredible uh and i would write my heart out on it um right and it it would be like a tonal departure from what you've seen but that can only be a good right. thing um like i, I want to do a kind of um you know that weird sort of subgenre of like hollywood gothic yeah you know, yeah. like Mulholland Drive, Mulholland Drive, Sunset Boulevard, like Hollywood Gothic. Sure. Like I want to, I want to do, like I want to do a Hollywood Gothic take on Wonder Man. Uh, oh, think, all right. Uh, it, 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 yeah, it would, it would be the best. Um, sorry, it, it just would. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge, like I, I am uh, myself and Jason Lowe um, are both uh, like unreconstructed Mad Rocks fanboys. Um, Jamie Madrox, like the multiple man, is just mm -hmm. the just the best. Like he's such a just such a weird little guy, and you could do such kind of cool things with him. Um, the sky's the limit, man. Um, and like I, I, I mean, a lot of that, by the way, is is like down to Pad, right? Like I think Pad like turned him into a really compelling character. Um, uh, hello, <laughs> <laughs> I have. Sorry, listeners. Um, I have no. a uh, an extra hand on my on my shoulder. Hello. I think I think hey. you. You know this in all the one on all the episodes I've ever recorded, Alex. I, this has never happened where she's come in. I I think it's you. You mentioned that you might have somebody come in no, during the no, recording I mean, session and. Hey, listen, how are you? Say, say hi. Hey, I'm Alex. No, she's she's being. This is Alex. He's a writer. You want to say hi? No, she's being shy. That's my daughter Penny, who has just snuck in. She's five. Aww. Um, and there, uh, you can see her in the bottom of the screen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yes, uh, my both of my daughters are big. Uh, you know, um, I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but as I think I have, both of my daughters are big comic book fans. We, um, I, I would read them. I mean, they get read to every night. And, you know, whether or not it's a golden book or, you know, a kid's picture book or uh, or comic books um, or they they similarly have. Uh, you know, I've, I've read the stuff that I've liked to them that was, you know, kid appropriate and um, they've 
have since yeah. developed their own taste in terms of comic books that they'd like. Um, when my oldest, who's 10, when she, she was maybe two or three, there was a, a book. I, I can't not remember the name of the artist. I apologize, but it was written by Kelly Thompson, uh, Mega Princess. And Charlotte oh. had Charlotte had most of the five issues like memorized because we would just read them over and she just wanted to be read to over and over again. And she would, before she could read, she had like the parts memorized in, in, in terms of it. Um, and she's now she's into, uh, I, I think other graphic novels and she's discovered her own things, but we're, you know, we're There's at the don't, local don't comic book shop. Um, and she's gotten in, she's gotten into a little bit of the dog man right now. It is uh warrior cats. Um, Oh, wow. It, so she likes the books and she likes the graphic novels. And then before that, it was uh, Wings of Fire, which was is a uh, she likes those books and likes the graphic novels of those, um, which is, I think, 2ET Sutherland. And uh, I think the Warrior Cats are Aaron Hunter. So, yeah, but oh, that's uh, so, yeah. So and and Penelope is as uh, snuck in here to hey. say hello. And I, I might cut all this, but you know what? Look, this is what happens. All right. We're we're two and a uh, more than two and a half years into a pandemic and Zoom interviews. And sometime your kids walk in and folks, you got to listen to me talk about my kids. And I apologize, Alex, but it happens, man. <laughs> man like yeah, I um, happened to me three, 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 three uh, with three for three. The last interviews I've done. He's just kind of come in. <laughs> so he's, he's just lost his two front teeth. Um, okay. So he just kind of he just comes up to the camera and basically just kind of goes like, "I want go drink your blood." Um, <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. Penny wants me to say that the graphic novels that the, or the comic books that she likes are what is it you like? Oh, she's reading a book, uh, Princess in Black, and every night her and my wife uh, read that book oh. together. That's a it's a series of books she's really into. Are you reading okay. any of it by yourself? Are you reading, you are you reading it on your own? She's starting to. Yeah. She's just starting to learn to read. She's in kindergarten. That's um, amazing. All right. I got Super a little fun, bit longer, right? okay? Yeah, she loves it. She's She loves school. She loves to read. And she loves... I'm lucky enough where we live in Delaware. Our local comic shop is less than a mile down the road. So um, it's a... Uh, it's a, just a, a great place called the uh, the comic book shop. Perfect name <laughs> and uh, super there, friendly, no fat, super inviting. No that title, man. No, no, <laughs> but they're they've been there for a number of years. They're super inviting, super welcoming. Um, just trying to find anyone that comes in. They just try and and they create a real wonderful uh, environment. Um, so yeah, I love any anyone who listens to this who is uh, in the area. Uh, the comic book shop in Delaware is uh, is fantastic. But um, and you like, know, I, like a bit like a big old ages section and stuff. Oh yeah, they 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 have a That's decent great, kids man. section. That's great. They have a lot of stuff. Um, they do like stuff with back issues. They do a lot with book clubs. They have a, uh, I things have been dicey since the the pandemic. Obviously, get like getting people together. They've tried to do stuff over Zoom, but they've always had like a teen book night. Like uh, um, an LGBTQ uh, book club, uh, you know, and they awesome. try and, yeah. um, you know, and they have like a um, a ladies and like non-binary or female presenting book club. Like they always try and create like safe spaces for folks that need it. They always um, try and 
recommend books that uh, you might not necessarily think of. They always try and spotlight like marginalized and diverse creators. It's just a wonderful, wonderful place that I absolutely cherish that I live less than a mile from. <laughs> the, the comic shop in Delaware. Yeah. Yeah. The comic book shop. The comic book shop. All right. Yep. It's one of my, uh, one of my favorites. Uh, it's a fantastic place. Um, but to get, you know, back on track, uh, apologies for the, the Penelope, uh, digression, but that's what we, uh, that's, that's what we contend with. I think you mean, and, you mean um, I think you mean centipede, right? Centipede. Yeah. This is this is the mother. <laughs> she, I, I mean, my, I, I love my children. Uh, they are phenomenal, and they <laughs> definitely make me a, a a better person. And I don't mind that they come in, and that they're even the least bit interested in um in what I do is is nice. No, but they on, ask Matt. me about this is great. Like, yeah. <laughs> Let's sit down, all three of us, and we'll just chop it up. Yeah. It'll be great. Right, right. And uh, Penny and I are working on a story. She came up with a story that we're working oh, on. Get out. You're making, a, you're making a book together. We're going to do like a little, like a four-page thing that I, I've, I'm in the process of writing. I'm going to get an artist on board. But she had an idea over the, the summer when, uh, when we were talking about stuff, because she knows that I, I do interviews for Comic Book Yeti and and. She said she had a story idea called The Yeti and the Big Stomp. And it's about a Yeti that goes to a, a restaurant with his. With, yeah, he, the Yeti, Yeti goes to a restaurant with his friend and um, he wants to uh, he wants something to eat and he wants snow. But all they serve are fish and he gets angry and he, he almost he stomps a big crack in the restaurant and runs out. And then his friend has to go and. Tell him that it's all right to be upset, but we have to deal with our feelings in a little better way, and we we can't make big stops sometimes. Um, and so Penny came up with the idea, and she wanted me to write it, and I said I would. So we're we're working on our li- a little short for for her and I. Man, yeah. So like, who are right? Make a note. Like, are you? I'll never employ it. Um. Yeah. So, uh, but that's great. To get that's 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 awesome. Yeah, and my, uh, my not not to turn this to talk about me more, but my oldest daughter Charlotte is Charlotte is is a very good artist. Uh, she is really been improving. Like she's very good. I mean, as 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 a ten year old, and she just draws every day. Mm. Every day, we just she just turned ten, and for her birthday finally got her like a a pen and procreate for her ipad so she can start doing some stuff digitally um so yeah they're they're great creative kids and uh i'm a big fan of theirs so and they they're they are interested when i when i talk to other people but um to get things back to you though um you know before we go i i wanted to talk about a couple other things and some of your other series that i really really like um in terms of uh, Red Fork, was a phenomenal series that you did with TKO, and I just was hoping you could talk a little bit about Red Fork. Uh yeah, sure. I, I mean, I, I think it was. Um, I, I was um, for anyone who doesn't know. I mean, I, I did a. Um, it's uh, it's a, a a horror story. Um, 
uh, set um, in a kind of, uh, in a in a in a struggling kind of mining town in Appalachia, and it's around about 2012. So it was sort of, uh, I mean, sadly, sort of you know, like towards like I guess the is it you know it like towards like the end of the oxycontin crisis and like before the fentanyl crisis i'm really sad to say obviously um right um yeah uh uh but 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 it was kind of taking those sort of um because i, I mean i didn't it was it was a tricky one to do because i had to do like a ton of research and i was very lucky in that i had the ear of um uh, a, a very fine writer called James Maddox and another very fine writer called Philip Kennedy Johnson, um, both of whom I'm sure you know. Um, but yeah. you know they would they 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 uh, they both did me the great kindness of um, making sure that the sort of local references that I was researching were all kind of kosher and making sort of very kind of pointed suggestions, just so I would sort of because it was it was it was a community that I wanted to be very kind of you know. They have, they have enough. Uh, you know, they have enough people talking about and around them rather than to them. Um, that I really wanted to kind of do my homework. Uh, I mean, you, you know, you'll never get it exactly right, but I, 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 I did strain kind of every sinew to, 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 to sort of to do it justice. Um, but um, I was mainly kind of interested because of the sort of affinities with. Um, I mean, right about where I live right now um you know in the north of england um again uh the sort of when the when the mining industry um started to get kind of hollowed out um mm -hmm. to be placed by kind of service industry um and the sort of mass unemployment that that sort of left behind similar sort of socioeconomic conditions prevailed and um so having spent a lot of time in those places i i thought it wasn't a cr like a crass commercial decision i just thought okay i think it's going to speak to more people if i if i take the idea that i had and if i kind of move it to kind of you know and and, and basically like if 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 i if i move it to sort of west virginia um right. and so yeah um did that um killed myself on it um <laughs> And yeah, I mean, but by some, uh, for, for a lot of people, I mean, I didn't feel like it at the time. It's strange, you know, but for a lot of people, it's, it's the, the best thing I've done. It's, um, certainly the sort of most well-reviewed, um, and certainly it's the thing where people, people who don't know me often know that. It's 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 strange, man. I I never thought that would happen, but mm -hmm. I thought it was either really niche, but instead it's it's this. It it it, it um. It, it's like a how do I put it? Like a perennial seller. Like it seems to just always like every time I kind of mention it on social media or whatever. It doesn't matter what I'm working on. I'll always get at least kind of thirty, forty people just kind of going like, "Oh yeah, man!" Like you know, I read that. That was that was good. Which is strange. It's just I, I never kind of I never thought that would happen. But I'm very grateful that it did. I, I first, you know, you know uh, when it was suggested to me to take a look at it and read it, um, and yeah, I had to think, you know, 
trying to think of parallels parallels between you know finding out like where you were from and that it was because it seems to be set in it's such a specific community and it's interesting to hear you say like the research you had to do to try and you know get that community right because it's not a book that points a finger uh at least at the community you know like like there or, or talks down to them at all to the folks in that like type of mining community, which you see in a lot of other type of media, like, oh, those miners, they're this, they're that, they're they're the other thing. People who are addicted to pills, they're, you know, it, it's negative, like they're responsible um for their own problems. Like it I, I really thought you captured such for a story that it can be so dark and monstrous, uh, so to speak. Um you really captured like the humanity of this mining town. Your characters were so well fleshed out. And um, I, I really think it's tremendous uh, achievement in comic books. Um, the, the whole artistic team, it, it, it really is. It's one of my favorites. It's a, it's a fantastic comic. And uh, I just wanted to ask you about it. Just, I don't know, to hear, to hear anything about it. I didn't have a specific question. So sorry to be like, tell me about Red Fork. But I just, I love it. And I, it, it's, you know. Like uh, the, the artist, uh, Neil Vendral, uh, like he's doing, you know, he's the guy, he's the same guy that does Shirtless Bear Fight, right? And like I sent him this kind of rural Gothic horror story and he absolutely flew on that, you know, I mean, like, that guy is just incredibly, just so versatile. Um, and I was sending him also, like, I mean, all this weird kind of formalist stuff as well of kind of going like, okay, so I want I want wide panels, but I want white space in the panels, and I want people looking inside the panels. And he would just like, oh, all right, here you go, something like this. Yeah, okay, mm -hmm. cool. Um, I mean, I won't say effortless because you never see the effort that's under the hood, right? You never see, right. you never see. The but yeah, I mean, he he absolutely killed it, man. And and the colorist as well, uh, Julia Briscoe, very lucky to get Julia, um, uh, but just lended it this kind of really uh, sickly kind of um, very kind of earthy sort of mustardy palette that I was really kind of hoping that we'd get. Like the whole, yeah, like it's it's got really kind of um, claustrophobic edge to it that I think just really kind of works. You know, it's yeah, I'm really I'm really proud of that book. Yeah, you you should be. The whole creative team should be. I mean, it is a it's a fantastic comic book. Um, not not always an easy read, but one it's it's very well worth it for for anyone that hasn't read it yet who's listening. I mean, an easy read, not like it's not like it, the the lettering's poor. I mean, like it's a challenging material. Don't anyone think I'm criticizing the letterer? <laughs> like it's gross. You could say it. Like it's 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 pretty. Like, um, it's. I've I've seen the full yeah. one too many times. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, I, I I'm sure you have uh, a bunch of other things to do. I really I I don't want to keep you all day because I will just keep going on uh, and just going through the list of your work that I read that I love. Um, uh, but in any event, I I just want to encourage everyone who's listened who's enjoyed this conversation that it's going to this episode will be out right before the final order cutoff for all against all and i really think it's going to be a fantastic series i love the first issue um and alex is there anything else that you're working on that you want to tell folks about 
Yeah, uh, cool. Thank you very much. Um, so uh, still, uh, I'm just finishing up uh, DC versus Vampires All Out War, which, which I'm co-writing with Matt Rosenberg. Um, that's a lot of fun. Um, just your favorite DC heroes getting eviscerated in, you know, increasingly inventive ways. Um, uh, next February, I have my first Marvel ongoing coming out, which is uh, Red Goblin, uh, which is um, it's 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 a symbiote book, but it sort of sits somewhere between it sits somewhere between a Spider-Man book and like a symbiote book um, for reasons that will become kind of abundantly clear. Um, so read that. I mean, I re- um, Christopher Cantwell as well is doing, he's doing a, a, a gold goblin book. Um, and while you don't need to read gold goblin to read my book at all, um, I like, I would urge you to read it because there's some nice kind of, there, there's some character stuff that kind of rhymes uh, between the two books, which I think would be, you know, we, 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 you know, we talked it out. Um, so yeah, that's coming. Um, uh, oh, uh, I got a, um, uh, a, a like a Raven short coming. Uh, there's the uh, Lazarus Planet uh, crossover that's coming soon from DC, and okay, I don't. The details immediately to hand, but like I, they've given me a, 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 a Raven backup, which I'm. Uh, which I'm really enjoying. Um, and I mean, by the time this comes out, um, uh, I will have had um, some more sort of Marvel digital stuff announced, I think. Uh, so, but yeah, there's, there's a bunch of stuff in train uh, that I can't talk about yet. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you for reading my stuff. Um, thank you for liking my stuff. And if you don't like it, thanks for reading it anyway. <laughs> well, um, uh, for, for listeners, I'll, I'll have in the show notes links to, if you want to follow Alex on social media or, uh, links to, um, where you can order, uh, the books in terms of finding your local comic shop to let them know that you want to add all against all to your pull list. And, um, yeah, I'm, getting a certain buzz right now uh i don't know if it's uh my children messing with something or if it's my audio but we'll try and fix it in post as they say um but no seriously alex i i cannot thank you enough for spending the time to uh talk to this old man who loves comic books i really appreciate it <laughs> thank you so much for having me um yeah no pre all right so for comic book yeti uh this has been jimmy gasparro And if you like this podcast, please rate, review us, tell your friends, all the other things they say so we can, you know, keep doing it. And uh, it's mainly for me. It's very selfish. I mean, I like that people listen, but I really just want to keep talking to folks. Um, So, uh, you know, if if you share it around, they'll they'll, they'll keep letting me do it. Um, But yes, all against all, uh, final order cutoff uh, in November. The book will be out December 7th. And uh, Alex, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Always a pleasure. Thanks, man. All right. And uh, to everyone else listening, I'll see you. This has been Jimmy Gasparro again. I know I said my name twice, but uh, there we go. And I will see you next time. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. 
It lets us know how we are doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.